Continuing on in our sermon series on identity, and um, I don't know about you, but I can still remember what life was like before I came to Christ, before I placed my faith, my trust in Him, uh, and received Him into my life, that the life I now live, I live in Him. You know, before as a Christian, I really struggled with insecurity around who I was, around my identity. And, And from that came feelings of anxiety, especially about the future, but also despair because I didn't know who I was. And because of that, I didn't know what my purpose was. And I came to the point in life that I felt nothing was going to change. And it was at that moment that I cried out to God. One of the things, one of the many things I love about being in Christ, about being a Christian, having received Jesus into my life, is the new identity that I now walk in, and the new purpose that I have, the peace that I have, and the hope that I have in Him. I love the fact that in Christ, I am loved. I am forgiven. I'm secure in that love, adopted into His family. And these truths of who we are in Christ far surpass anything that the world might might offer us. Thank you. Hopefully you've heard some of that. I wish someone had told me earlier. Um, So really, who we are in Christ is really key for us to get hold of. I'm loving this sermon series for two main reasons. The first is because it answers the big question in, 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 in human life. Who am I? Who am I? And it's only in Christ that that is answered, but also because each week I'm being reminded of who I am in Christ, that I'm loved, that I'm secure, that I no longer am under any condemnation. And as I think on these truths, meditate on these truths, ask the Holy Spirit to transform me, I'm being changed into more of the likeness of Christ because of the foundation I have in who I am in Christ, that I'm loved by God and I cannot be separated from His love that I am chosen by him from the beginning of the world, that I'm righteous in him, even though I continue to sin. I'm alive in him because of his resurrection, and I'm living in him because his spirit is within me. It's so freeing to allow these truths to define who we really are and not try to search for our identity in what we do or our hobbies or what people say about us or even our gender or our sexuality. Paul Tripp stated, I'm not something because I'm a surgeon or a teacher or a healthcare worker. I'm something because I am in Christ. Bottom line. And when I need something to be something, I've forsaken the gospel in the way I am living. Our identity then is in Christ. And that's the lens through which all other identities become accountable to. So yes, I'm the rector of St. Mungo's, but that is under who I am in Christ, that that comes first. And when we make the mistake of putting our identity in what we do, it's fine when it goes right, but it's not when it goes wrong. You see, that identity of who we are in Christ has to be the primary identity and the accountable identity of which we look through. 
You know, let's just be honest. We don't deserve this identity in Christ because the Bible makes clear and we're all in the same boat. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because of God's great love for us, he sent his son into this world to bring us back into relationship, to bring him back into union with him. No longer an enemy deserving God's wrath, but a child of God deserving his love. And I love that the fact that, that receiving Christ is just the start. When we receive Jesus into our lives, that's just the start. And his work has already been going on. The Spirit's work has been opening our hearts and our minds to who we are. But it's the Spirit who continues to change us and transform us as we partner in him. And we see that promise being made where in Philippians where Paul says, He who began a good work in you will what? Carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, he is faithful. He will not say, oh, I've had enough of Ollie. He said that once too often. No, that he chose me for the beginning of time. And he will not reject me or forsake me. The work is entirely a work begun and sustained by the Holy Spirit. So you might be sitting there thinking, well, what is my part then? What part do I have to play? And I often think about this when I think about my life in Christ. What does it look like for me to continue to grow in Christ? For me to have a greater understanding of who I am in him in my day-to-day life? You know, as I thought about this in my mind, I thought about the book of Colossians, where Paul looks to answer this question. And if you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you, whether on your phone or you've got them uh, in, in print, I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Colossians 2, and we're going to be looking at just two verses, verses 6 to 7. So that's Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. Paul writes in Colossians, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So Paul in these verses is telling us that we cannot be passive after receiving Jesus Christ as Lord into our lives. But as he says, we need to continue to live our lives, who? In him. Not in ourselves. Ourselves are dead in the sense we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. But Christ lives in us and the life we now live in the body is by faith in the who? The son of God. That we now live in him. So we cannot be passive. But how do we do this? Well, I think Paul has some answers and some advice for us. But before we look to this, I want to be clear of what it means to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Because if you're not in Christ from the start, then you can't continue to be in him or live in him or even grow in him. And that has some pretty catastrophic consequences for eternity. Now, there may be some of you here this morning who have been asking this question, who am I? You've been searching for answers but haven't found any or the ones you've tried have let you down. As I've been speaking, a desire in you may have arisen to say, well, I would love to be loved, to know that I'm loved. I'd love to know that I was secure in that love, accepted, chosen, forgiven, 
So what's it mean to receive Christ, Jesus as Lord? Well, I think what Paul's meaning here is to receive the gospel. So what's the gospel? And Paul does it in a different way here. He gives us two names of Jesus and one title. And through that, he explains to us what the gospel is. Those names are Christ, Jesus, and Lord. So let's take each one and I'll unpack them to explain the gospel. So the first one is Jesus. I mean, I always love saying that name because it has incredible power. Jesus. This is Jesus' human name given, given him by God the Father at his birth. And it refers to the historical man, Jesus. You know, Dave said it last week. You know, people say, oh, you know, he was just a fictional character. He, Jesus wasn't real. There's more evidence for Jesus walking this earth than there is for Caesar Augustus. Not just in the Gospels, but also in the historical accounts that surround that time. But when we look at what Jesus' name means, we actually find the significance of why he came. What does Jesus' name mean? It means Savior. This was the great purpose for which our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, to save us. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Notice that. We need to fully accept this, brothers and sisters. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. We've all sinned. And therefore, we cannot come to God because he's sinless. Yet Jesus came, God came into this world to save us by dying on a cross and taking the penalty of our sin and freeing us from any condemnation as we receive him into our lives. But he didn't just die, he rose again. And because of him, we now have life. And Dave talked about that last week. We're alive in him. And that's what Christ is talking about. That's the, the title that we look at next. This is actually a title given to Jesus. The word Christ means anointed one, Messiah. We sung about him, Jesus the Messiah. And for the Jews, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. And that's what Jesus did. He gave us a taste of what the kingdom of God is like. As we receive Jesus, it's in Christ that we dwell in him, that his spirit dwells in us. It's in Christ that you're hidden in Christ. You know that great song, Rock of Ages, clap for me, let me hide myself in thee. Well, actually, we're already hidden of what the Bible says. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And then it's in Christ we receive eternal life so that life is not the end. And then the, the, the final one, uh, Jesus who's died for us, Christ who is living in us, brings life, is the Lord. This indicates his sovereignty, his kingship. And he's the one that we now follow. John Stott points out that Jesus can be, only, can, can be our savior only because he is Lord. He must have unquestionable authority over the powers of evil before he can possibly deliver us from them. Do you remember what Jesus said before he left this earth? All authority has been given to who? Me. See, Jesus has the authority because he's Lord and he's the one we look to, to obey, not out of some fear, obligation, but because of his love. We love, why? Because he first loved us. So to receive Christ is to place your faith, your trust in him a savior and to live in him is in Christ 
And doing this is you understand that you now have a new Lord. That's why the good news is the good news. Because you are now forgiven of your sins in Jesus. You've received life as your continuous life in Christ. And you recognize a new sovereignty, a new Lord who is incredibly good and loving. I just want to pause for a moment because there might be someone here this morning who says, yes, I want that. I want Jesus in my life. I want to know that I'm loved, that I'm forgiven. But maybe that's too much for you this morning. Well, I'd really encourage you at our uh, uh, welcome point out there, there's a why Jesus. And this explains why Jesus came. It explains what it means to put your faith in him. Or you might want to come to one of our Alpha courses after Christmas where we talk about who Jesus is and what it means to follow him in a really relaxed and where, uh, uh, environment where you can ask your questions. But I just want to put a prayer up. And just, and if we could have that prayer up now. Thank you. And what I want us to do is just to pray this prayer. It starts, Lord Jesus Christ. And if this is you, and you want to know that you're loved by God, secure in him, forgiven in him, adopted into his family, then this is the prayer. This is the start. This is how you receive Christ into your life. And I'd encourage you just to pray it with me. So I want us all just to shut our eyes so we're not looking around. But if you want to receive Jesus this morning, you can open your eyes and you could just read this with me. And this is just inviting Jesus. This is the start of new life for you. So just let's say this together. Can you just say it quietly? Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. If there's any significant things you want to say sorry for, just say them now and ask God for forgiveness, knowing that he will forgive you. Let's just continue the prayer. Please forgive me. And now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you, you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. And I receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you've said that prayer, I'd love to speak to you. Or if you're thinking about saying that prayer but not quite sure, I'm up at the welcome point in the end. Please do come and see me. It's really important that we understand what it means to, to receive Christ so that we can continue in Christ. And that's what Paul now goes on to talk about. To look at what our part is in this life in Christ. Paul says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So the first thing Paul states here is, as you continue to live in Christ, having received Christ, be rooted and be built up in him. Now, there's no mixing of metaphors here, because it seems from the English that rooted would look for a tree and built up would mean a building. But actually, what the word that Paul's using here for rooted is actually the, what one for building, where you, you sink your, uh, the foundations down into the foundation. So it's, it's a building metaphor here. He's not mixing his metaphor. And when I was in Turkey recently... There were lots, as we went around, there were lots of places where we just saw foundations. Uh, if we can go back to the picture before that, I think. Thank you. 
there were lots of, of, of foundations, houses that had put their foundations down. But for some reason, that's all it went. And actually, there were some where there were trees and plants growing. And uh, they just weren't being built on. And what Paul is desperate not to happen in Colossae and not to happen is that we would receive Christ. We would be given a firm foundation. Then we do nothing about it. We just say, oh, yeah, I'm saved. But actually, ah, what we need to do is we've been given this foundation and we need now to sink our roots down into them and to build. You see how there's the, the wire that's ready for the bricks coming out of the foundations. I and mean, I know very little about foundations, but it's ready to, to be built on. Christ, what he's done for us, is that's provided us a firm foundation to build our lives on. Receiving Christ is just a starting point. And as we accept Christ, he becomes our firm foundation that we can build our lives on. But if we're not rooted in what Christ says about who we are, we'll find it really hard to build. We need, therefore, to read the Bible to find out what God says about us, about who we are in Christ. I love the thought that we, we don't read the Bible just to get head knowledge. We read the Bible to encounter God. Uh, one commentator said this, the Bible is about Jesus. Therefore, we need to come to the scriptures fully expecting that we will encounter Christ and be transformed by his spirit. No other document has the kind, this kind of ability because the Bible is the word of God. It is living and powerful. And when we read it, we are drawn into a living and uh, a powerful relationship with our Savior. Just think for a moment. Let's just take an example. Think for the truth of the truth that the Bible teaches us in Romans that we are no longer under any condemnation in Christ. Is that a good truth? It's a great truth, isn't it? We've looked at that. Now, imagine if you didn't know that truth and you've received Jesus and what happens? Oh, you sin. You say something, you do something, you think something. Oh, no, not again. And having not known this truth, what does the enemy love to do? Whisper lies. Oh, look what you've just done. Ollie, how could you have done that? Call yourself a Christian and what do you put yourself under? Condemnation. But yet, if I'm living from the word of God and what he says, uh-uh, devil, I ain't under any condemnation because I'm what? In Christ. How do we know that? Because of what God's word says about us. If we're not in the word, we're not giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to minister to us, to help us in this. It's really important. Otherwise, the enemy has a bit of a field day in our lives. We need to be rooted in what God says about us. We need to take hold of those lies. Remember Sarah talked about them. Sometimes they're just general, they're half-truths, but they're still a lie. And we need to take, take them captive, which raise themselves about, above the word of God, about who God says we are. And we need to take them captive and to replace them with the truth. And if necessary, we need to ask forgiveness if they've got a hold in our lives. Why does the Spirit convict us? To lead us into truth. To lead us into greater freedom so that we can be who we are. You know, another way that we can sink our roots down is through prayer. Your prayer is basically saying, I need you, God. I can't do life without you. And we come to God out of a desperation, out of a need. Because we see situations around 
where as we give them, he wants to bring his goodness and his love and his mercy into. He wants to bring his healing. And prayer is just another way of us to get to know God. God, prayer doesn't change us. Well, sorry, prayer doesn't change God. It changes us. And so it's another way that we can partner with God. You know, being built up is not just an individual thing. It's also a corporate thing that we need to build each other up. Think of what Paul defined the prophetic. They're words that encourage, build up, and comfort. Yeah, at the end of last week's service, uh, we had some prayer ministry, and I went uh, forward, and I was given a word that was specifically what I was struggling in. It was like, oh, God, you know, wow. It was like, woohoo, thank you. And then this week, when I was writing the sermon, you'll laugh at this, okay? So it just wasn't coming together. And I was thinking, how? Oh. I was sitting there on Thursday night, going, I want a day off tomorrow. It's not coming together. What do I, you know, and so I had put some worship music on, on YouTube, and um, it was Bethel Church, they were doing an encounter night, and I, and I was just, I, I, I flicked back onto it, and I didn't know who the worship leader was, so I looked down to the bottom, and it said they were doing prophetic words, ministry, and I was like, oh, I need a bit of that, so I clicked on it, and I, I went into this waiting room of 150 other people who wanted a prophetic word, and I was like, oh, should I just press end, leave? I thought, no, 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 and then we were, pressed, uh, we were put into a smaller group of eight, and then the Bethel team started just asking the Holy Spirit what it was for each person that we needed to hear, to guess what they said. The lady said to me, when it came to me, are you a teacher by any chance? No, 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 I'm not a teacher. I said, I'm a pastor. She said, you need to know this morning, well, this evening, it was this morning, that you are a teacher, that God has given you the gift of teaching. Now, for me in that moment, when I was struggling and starting to believe that was rubbish, it was a moment for me where God spoke. You see, as a church family, that's why we are one spirit church, because we need the gifts of the spirit to build the church up. Because we all struggle, don't we? And that was twice in one week your rector was struggling. Oh, dear. Gives you the freedom, doesn't it? <laughs> but, but we need to, to use the gifts of the Spirit to build one another up so that we can be who God's called us to be. We need each other so that we can be rooted and established and built up in who Christ says we are. But that's not where Paul leaves it because he also says... He says this, be strengthened in the faith that you were taught. Paul's not talking about their individual faith here, but the faith that they were taught by Epaphras. It wasn't Paul actually who planted Colossae, it was Epaphras, one of his co-workers. You know, why do we come here on a Sunday? We come here to worship God. We, we worship in our praise. And that was excellent. Thank you, Dave and the band, for leading us so well. Through our prayers, as we come forward for ministry, but we also worship God as we don't just hear God's word, but we put it into practice. That we hear, oh yeah, I'm not condemned anymore, or I'm alive, right, I'm going to live from this place. That's what it means, that we live from this place of who we are in Christ. And so that's why we teach from the word of God. 
because we want you to be strengthened in the Word of God. And as we preach the Word of God, the Spirit of God comes. So that's why we are committed to both Word and Spirit to see transformation occur. And what does it look like if you live in Him, in the Spirit of God, in the Word of God? What's it look like? Well, Paul gives you a little thought that you are overflowing with thankfulness. Yeah, I know the days when I'm overflowing with thankfulness. I know the days I'm not. And it's normally because I've got my eyes on the problem and on me when I'm not overflowing with thankfulness. But when I've got my eyes on God and what his word says about me, I'm having a little praise party. Dick Lucas said this, to be bursting with thankfulness is a true witness of the spirit within us. For the voice of thanksgiving speaks without ceasing of the goodness of God. It claims nothing. It sees sees no merit in man's receiving, but only in God's giving. It marvels at his mercy. It is the language of joy just because it it need look no longer into its own resources. It's an expression of dependence on another. It is the speech of the psalmist and is the natural tongue of the apostles. It's also heard on the lips of the weakest Christians on his knees saying, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God, for who I am in Christ. So, Christ and the Holy Spirit, they are working in us. Just, I know the youth are coming and welcome youth. It's great to have you here. Let's just, church, let's keep, adults, let's keep focused just for one more minute. Okay. This is a challenge this morning. But it's not, I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. If you want to grow, if you want to live in him to be overflowing with thankfulness, then you need to get into his word to find out who you are. Start memorizing it. Write it on your mirror. Mite it on your wall. Start asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, it says in your word I'm your son, but I don't feel like it. I don't feel love. Would you just keep crying out for it? One of my friends cried out for the power of God for four years. Every day, he said, your word says that I can be filled with power for four years. And then he was on the phone to someone, one of his friends, saying, oh, I've been praying for four years. And the power of God, poof, and he was just slain in the spirit. You see, we need to be persistent in prayer. We need to keep digging into the word of God because life is tough. Amen? So this is my prayer. For you, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That that spirit of wisdom and revelation would just be like exploding all over us as a church. We go, oh my goodness, I, I am God's son. Oh, I am chosen. And he is my father. Oh, wow, that changes everything. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you, Jill. We've got a woohoo. Don't know where Sarah is, neither woohoo. <laughs> All right. But anyway, I'm not putting a guilt trip. I just want I want you to build on the firm foundation that Christ has won for you on the cross. And that you would live alive in him and his spirit, in his word and his spirit. That we'd know who we are. So when the enemy starts going, me, 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 you go, uh-uh. I am this in Christ. And I don't need anything else in life. No titles, no leadership for who I am because that can never be taken away from me. So, Father, we thank you.
for your goodness and your love. We thank you in Christ. You saved us and gave us a new um, identity. And Lord, would you give us revelation with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and give us a, uh, just wisdom and revelation of who we are, that we would be overflowing with thankfulness. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.